Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We are recording. Let's go. All right. Hey, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Movie in a Pod. My name is Clyde Smith. I'm Javier Villalobos. All right. Javi, how was your week, man? It's pretty good, man. Pretty good week. Didn't work too many extra hours. Watched a few movies. So while we're talking about that, what'd you think of, uh, no spoilers, but what'd you think of WandaVision episode this week? We watched that. Me and the wife watched that Dude. on Friday when I got home, and that was fun. That was Dude. the best episode to date. I thought yeah. it was kind of like slow at first. I was like, okay, what are we watching? This is weird. But it all starts making sense now, and it's getting better and better. Such a fa- fabulous show. Yeah, yeah, it was was pretty slow, but it was very entertaining at the same time. How about yourself? What you up to this week? Oh, man. Uh, crazy week at work, so it was good to come home, wind down, watch some WandaVision with the wife, and actually caught up with some old buddies uh, from my old job uh, Yet yesterday. Spent a few hours hanging out and stuff. So nice. Everybody's doing good, man. Everybody's doing good. Came home, watched a few flicks, so, you know, always with the movies. Yeah, well, Mama's birthday was yesterday, so we grabbed some some barbecue from the smoke pit. Oh, love that spot. Had some lunch. (laughs) Guys, guys, the smoke pit is a a local uh, barbecue place where they basically smoke any part of the pig. (laughs) <laughs> in any part of the chicken and it is it is fabulous it's good they have all the sides uh one of our favorite places in this area so oh yeah oh yeah all right well, cool man cool sounds Hobby, like what, a pretty good week oh yeah oh yeah so Javi, what movie are we uh talking about this week we are discussing the little things all right this movie dropped just a couple weeks ago, 2021 here, starring Denzel Washington as Joe Deke Deacon. This is our main stars. Uh, Rami Malek as Jim Baxter and Jared Leto, his weird-ass self, as <laughs> Albert Sparma. <laughs> Super weird. Super weird. <laughs> thing I like about these guys, uh, this cast, is three Academy Award winners. Denzel for Training Day. Obviously, Rami Malek, Bohemian Rhapsody. Fantastic movie and... Jared Leto in the Dallas Buyers Club. All three great movies. All right. Javi, who was this uh, written and directed by? Uh, it was directed by John Lee Hancock. Uh, it was produced by Mark Johnson and John Lee Hancock. And oh, written yeah. by John Lee Hancock. <laughs> <laughs> and, and guys, John, he, John Lee Hancock is probably not a well-known name as far as writing and directing. Uh, but he did write and direct The Blind Side with Sandra Bullock. Uh, he directed The Founder uh, with Michael Keaton about the, the McDonald's movie and wrote the screenplay for the 90s classic Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil with John Cusack and Kevin Spacey. So he's definitely been around, guys. Now, guys, this movie uh, is a part of Warner Brothers dropping all their 2021 slate of movies on HBO Max. Uh, this is the first movie released after they stated that they will do this. 
Uh, so this was a big move for HBO and Warner Brothers teaming up to make this happen for us because obviously we're still in a pandemic and theaters are mm-hmm. at like, I think some theaters are closed, some theaters at half capacity, depending on where you are in the United States and in the world. This movie takes place in uh, Los Angeles, 1990. First first thing that we see, (laughs) good time, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, First thing that we see is a a girl driving at night, enjoying some pop music, uh, just enjoying the countryside and driving, having a good time by herself. And you can tell there's there's a vehicle behind her. She's being tailed and chased and stalked by some other vehicle. This is a really intense, scary scene here. Yeah, she's just uh, jamming to uh, Rome by the B-52s, so you know. (laughs) Uh, it was a chart topper in the 90s. Uh, she's cruising. The car passes her. Goes up the road a little bit. And it stops in the road. And she doesn't know what to do. So she passes it. Uh, she goes down the road. She's starting to panic. Because uh, now that car is following her again. And she pulls into a gas station thinking she's going to find some uh, somewhere to hide. But she does not. <laughs> this place is... Yeah, this place is closed deserted uh nobody's home at this gas station and we see her start freaking out right yeah she tries to hide around the corner of the building uh this guy pulls up behind her uh behind her car that she's ditched and he goes to the back and he just pulls out this uh kidnapping kit that he just stores in the back of his car uh so not the first time he's done this uh so she takes off running kind of through this uh, desert you know we're kind of in the desert area so she's running through some tumbleweeds and some brush and stuff like that. And he's trying to stalk her out there. But she makes it to the back to the highway where a trucker was driving down the road. And he basically saves her. We don't see what he does, but we uh, then move on to the next scene of the movie. Yeah, and this is where we meet uh, Deke, played by, once again, Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a sheriff in Kern County, and he's investigating a light bulb that is out at a different gas station, right? Um, <laughs> this gas station attendant, this gas station owner is pretty pissed off because this is how he gets all his business and I, from some act of God or some kid or whatever, or maybe yeah. even like a rock that, that hit the, the light bulb. Um, he's pretty pissed off because that's how they get most of their business. So, Just to let you know, the sign uh, on the building was uh, for Black Angus Burgers. <laughs> uh, it, it just happened to be that they busted the G out. So I'll let you uh, imagine that. Moving forward, we see Deke at the sheriff's office. And Deke's uh, commanding officer tells him to go to L.A. to bring back a bloodstain to convict someone, right? There's a lot of exposition in here about an old case that was worked over. Yeah, the DA needs this piece of evidence. And Deke is like, nah, man, I can't do that. That's that's not my job. Yeah. His his commanding officer goes, nope, you're going. So Deke goes, okay. So uh, he leaves uh, Kern County and he heads to L.A. Uh, We see him pull up to the CSI laboratory. And he pulls into this parking lot where there's cars everywhere. You know, there's nowhere to park. And he just... Stops his car in the middle of the parking lot and gets out. Just box everybody in. Uh, he gets to the evidence office and they won't let him take what he needs because they say they need to get signed off by the homicide captain. Uh, so he leaves the CSI building. He walks out and we get our first glimpse of uh, Rami Malik as Jim Baxter as he's trying to get Deke's car towed. Uh, Jim Baxter is the, this the total opposite of Deke, right? He's young, uh the slick dressed in a suit, got the glasses, basically looks like yeah. a men in black person, right? Throwback mm-hmm. to Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. That's basically his look that he's going for and pulls it off quite well. And he also kind of comes off oh, as yeah. a uh, yep. dickhead at first. So, so Dick heads <laughs> to the uh, homicide uh, division where he needs to get a sign off from this captain. He's talking to, to the captain and we start to see there's a little history uh, with him and this unit. Uh, the captain tells him, you know, I spoke with your uh, commanding officer and he said you need to stick around until we finish getting the tests we need for this evidence, which is some blood-stained boots for a different murder investigation. So as Deke is talking to the captain of the police station, he sees behind him Baxter. And Baxter is 
has a bunch of reporters in front of him and he's at a podium and he's talking that they're going to find this girl. They're going to find the killer, right? It looks like he's working on this real big case. We don't really know what's going on yet. Um, but we get suspicions that it might be tied to um, the young girl who was being chased with her car in the, in the beginning. Yeah, and then one of the reporters asked uh, Baxter, he says, you know, it's been four months you've been working on this case and you don't have any suspects. Uh, this kind of rattles uh, Baxter's cage a little bit because he's right. He's working a case that he can't solve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so after this news conference, Deke walks out and sees an old colleague and decides to go get a cup of coffee. This old colleague is Detective Sal. At the coffee shop, um, Deke and Sal, they're discussing the old times, discussing how they have this new breed of detective and starts talking about Jim Baxter and how he's a good kid, uh, bright future, and Baxter actually walks in <laughs> and, introduces, <laughs> right. and introduces himself. They talk a little bit of exposition. The other detective knocks on the glass of the coffee shop, and Baxter walks out. Uh, detective Sal offers Deke a place to stay for the night. He says, you can come stay with me and the wife. Uh, as Baxter's coming back in, uh, he tells... Deke, do you want to ride with me over to this this call? So they head over to a victim's apartment. They're standing outside the building. Apparently there's no power. Um, they have some guys go up to make a containment for the scene. Uh, and then they head upstairs and they go in this apartment. They have to go through one apartment out in a, a fire escape to go into this the victim's apartment. And... It's pitch black. Uh, they're shining their flashlights around trying to see what's going on. And Baxter pulls out a black light and starts shining that around the scene. You start to see like uh, blood spots and stuff like that. And then he gets to the, the actual victim and the power turns back on. There's loud music. It startles all of them. And we get that gruesome scene. They're, they see blood all over the walls, blood on the bed, blood on the floor. And then they see this girl that has been... Uh, murdered yeah and i must say guys uh the musical score if they're not talking the musical score of this whole movie is just so chilling and scary mm -hmm. um it actually brings you into this into this early 90s world of uh detectives looking for this serial killer uh the score yeah. is probably by far my favorite thing about this movie um and just had me on my toes the whole time so we see a little interaction with Deke and the uh, coroner, Flo. Uh, kind of get that there's a little history. They wanted to meet up a little later and talk. So the rest of the team's looking through the room, trying to get some evidence up and, you know, make sure they know what's going on. And we see Deke look across the street at this window. And he's just looking at the scene, looking back at the window, and then he just disappears for a minute. And he's heading over to investigate this area across the street. <laughs> Yeah, so Deke disappears, but while he's gone, Baxter looks and sees that the killer left the same way that they came in and talked to the first man on the scene and says, we have to do better, right? Yeah. At this point in time, we work for her. We work for her until we get this killer, right? Yeah. So that kind of brings you in to, to Baxter's mode, right, where, where he is. He is a cop. He is a detective, uh, but he treats these cases very personal, where he has a client, this this deceased, this departed young girl, and that he now works for her, man. I, I thought that was one of the better moments of it, where it shows his intensity, right? Yeah, and it continues to show that through the whole movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so we see Deke, um, you know, like I said, he, like Javi said, he disappears, and he actually goes across to the adjacent building, goes up a flight of stairs and goes into this dark room with just a chair that's been knocked over. Picks up the chair, sits in the chair, and sees that it's facing exactly into this girl's apartment where he sees all the whole crime CSI unit looking into it. Um, at this point, Deke has a flashback. Yeah, we just kind of see him and uh, I think it was uh, Detective Saul just kind of standing in this area where... You know, that, that older crime scene is coming back up in his mind. The rest of the team, as they're leaving the crime scene, 
they discuss strategy and they make a tie that the cases have bite marks. You know, this is the same cases that happened up north and the same cases that happened five years ago, where it's like there's this crazy bite mark on the victim that were stabbed. So it's it's starting to tie in uh, what's going on with Deke five years ago and tying in what's going on with Baxter's case right now. So once they, I guess, uh, get done there at the crime scene, uh, Baxter and Deke are talking down on the street, and he invites uh, Deke to breakfast. Then we see Deke driving around this kind of shady side of town. Um, There's a bunch of, you know, ladies for sale on the side of the road, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, Then he just grabs him a a burger at a little diner for the night. So it's kind of late at night, and we see... Uh, the next scene, which is a lady and a man, they're uh, having a, a jog. They're running through their neighborhood. Uh, he offers to to run her home the rest of the way. She says, it's three blocks, I got it. Uh, so she takes off running home, and then we see a car start following her down the road to her home. Yeah, and one of the noticeable things about this young young lady as she's running away is this bright red beret that she's wearing in her hair mm-hmm. and she runs away and like Javi said this car comes behind her and it's a really dope shot actually we see the car follow behind her and then this camera just pans up to the city of Los Angeles it's yeah. really creepy but dope scene but like how much craziness happens in the big city yeah in that same scene it shows uh, how it's nighttime and then it speeds up real fast to show kind of the morning sunset man i love you these, go from a yeah. creepy creepy nighttime scene to a beautiful morning sunset and i, I love these these type of scenes that change the type of time of day with it yeah they're some of my favorite in movies so the next morning baxter arrives at the diner and deke is on the phone with his commanding officer telling him to come on back to Kern county don't need the bloodstained boots anymore um and that he'll see him tomorrow Deacon Baxter interact. There's some exposition there. And Baxter says that Deke might want to stay around because of his old friend, Stan Peters. You can automatically see that Deke is very interested in, in what comes next. So next scene, we're in the uh, interrogation room with Stan Peters. Uh, Jim showing him some uh, pictures of the girl from his neighborhood. Uh, shows him a graduation picture. Then he shows him a picture of her dead. Um... Apparently he's a registered sex offender. Uh, what he tells him, he said, "I was I was just peeing in public, and the lady saw him." That's what he says. He's not like a rapist or nothing like that. Uh, Deke calls into the room, and Jim picks up the phone and says, uh, "Or sorry, Deke says, ask him about Mary Roberts." Uh, Stan gets freaked out, and he kind of get, he gets up and he kind of looks like he knows who's on the other side of the glass, like. <laughs> Like, what guy's connected to this victim, Mary Roberts? Yeah. They both leave the station, uh, Deke and Baxter. And Baxter asks Deke um, if he broke Peter's jaw before, because that's <laughs> what the story is, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he says, uh, you got to kiss a lot of frogs to find your prince. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Got to love Denzel uh, Washington, how he delivers. Yeah. Baxter is back in his office, and he has a missing persons case. Uh, but he doesn't want to entertain it because he works homicide, not missing persons, which are two different divisions. Mm-hmm. Deke drives through L.A. and sees a cross in the distance. Now, guys, we, we see a lot of biblical references in this movie. Um, we're in the city of Los Angeles. Deke sees a cross. Um, him and his old commanding uh, officer, the Captain Ferris, uh, talked about angels and stuff of that nature in biblical references. There's a lot in this movie. Um, very interesting where it's not really front and center, but it is background, but also plays a big part. It's almost a character in this movie. Deke does arrive at the coroner's office, Flo, and asks Flo to look into the deceased girl's body. They talk, there's some exposition about them in in the old days. Uh, She tells him that the match on the bite is inconclusive and that she received a post-mortem shave and that she ate roast beef before she died, right? Yeah. A lot of information about this yeah. body. I've never wanted to work as a coroner or with dead bodies, but um, the old saying is the dead do talk. So she knows a lot. 
Yeah, she also mentions that the murderer came back. He killed her. She was on the floor. He left, came back, and propped her up and put a bag on her head. Deke does ask her uh, for help with some old case files, and she does agree to help, but says if something goes wrong, she can't be there for him again. We don't know what that again is. We don't know what really happened yeah. in the past. Um, but we can tell that she means business. So, Yeah, he does uh, the first time we see this in the movie. He's talking with the corpse and talking to her, and we get a kind of a, a, a thing where, where that's how he does his detective work. He's talking to this girl and telling her what happened to her and trying to piece the, the puzzle together of how she ended up there. Yeah, I like this. This is different cop exposition with trying to figure it out. Usually we just get, you know, the New York undercover or NYPD blue or whatever it is where they just kind of talk around. This was yeah. the, this is the detective with the deceased body and him kind of going through it by talking to her. It was, it's a different type of exposition with trying to figure it out. And I, this is one of the scenes that I thoroughly enjoyed actually. So we move on to Deke and Flo. Uh, they're eating, I assume some dinner. Uh, and she pulls out a flowered hollow point uh, that's hanging off of a keychain. And she tells him it reminds her of what she did and of what he did. And we st- Still don't know what that is yet. Deke returns to the deceased girl's apartment and looks into the fridge. As he's looking in the fridge, the landlord comes in and tells him that the fridge has been broken for a week. Uh, The repair shop that she called to fix it is ABC Appliance. And the stuff in the fridge was already rotten except the milk, which her son happened to drink. And she said, arrest me. <laughs> and then there was a few uh bush light beers that she had to go grab and get. For for future reference, that's a bush latte. Oh, oh. <laughs> my Fancy buddy, my right buddy uh, Chip refers to those as bush lattes. <laughs> hey man, beer of champions right there, right? <laughs> right. So in this as she's going to get the bush lattes, <laughs> Uh, Deke examines the crime scene. He sits down <laughs> in a chair <laughs> and uh, goes to the same flashback, and we see more of the flashback. Um, his team finds bodies in this in this park wooded area. She comes in, gives him uh, the bush lights, and she always, she asks him, uh, "Why? How can you handle this smell?" She goes, "You know, if you're lucky enough, you don't." So then we see him, uh, he leaves the apartment and he's headed, uh, to find somewhere to stay for the night. Uh, he arrives at this real shady hotel, a bunch of, you know, more ladies for sale out front. Uh, he goes in and talks to the man. It's a hundred dollars a night. Um, the guy tells him, you know, the guy from before stuff still in there, just, uh, throw it in the hallway. <laughs> so it's a real sleazy, dirty hotel. Yeah. Uh, and he also asks him, you know, do you want some company? <laughs> after, he, after he told him he wasn't affiliated with the ladies. <laughs> yeah. The hotel name is uh, St. Agnes Hotel. That's a that's a saint. Um, <laughs> some more biblical references, right? And as right. Deke goes upstairs and goes to the room, um, there's an angel uh, looking over Jesus' picture in the room, and Deke just smiles. Yeah. We get our first glimpse at uh, Jim's home. Uh, we see him tucking in his two girls, and he, you know, passes by his wife, and you can tell she's feeling that he's having a rough time right now. He's stressing out about what's going on, and it's merely just a just a look he gives her that you can see that's what's happening. Uh, then we go back to Deke in his room, and he's laying in his bed with all the lights off and he's just got a flashlight. He's shining it to each picture of these girls. And we see a little more of his detective thinking. We see a girl at the foot of the bed and it's actually one of the victims. Then he looks over in the closet and there's two more girls standing in his closet and it's other two victims. This look is these girls haunting him, right? He's a lot like Baxter, where he now works for these girls, right? These He's a homicide detective. He's an old-school homicide detective. And these girls 
are victims that he now works for to catch the killers. He he's very sad. Like you see his I first really seen his emotion of I'm a good detective versus I'm sad because I wasn't as a good detective as I wanted to be. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So we see that he's you know, he couldn't crack the case. Uh something we don't see from Denzel often, but he cuts the flashlight off, turns his head, and we just see tears in his yeah. eyes. Because he's sad about this. He's he's pissed off. He's mad. He's sad that he never caught this killer. So then we flash to the next morning. Uh, we're in the bullpen at the uh, at the police station. Uh, the captain's telling him, uh, Detective Jim Baxter that Stan Peters killed himself. Uh, then he finds out the story behind Deke uh, that he had a suspension. He got a divorce. Had a triple bypass. All in six months. Damn. It's rough, 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 rough. Yeah. And then Jim kind of finds out that he he kind of took his spot. Uh, he's the, you know, for lack of a better word, the replacement of Deke. New model. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the captain says that uh, he called up to Kern and found out that Deke has taken some vacation time. Baxter's like, your point? And the captain's like, does he look like a man who goes golfing? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) One one of the funnier uh, lines in the movie. And the next scene we see uh, Deke walks out of this thrift store with a suit and starts working the case. Uh, Goes to ABC Appliance and nothing turns up there, right? Really Mm -hmm. easy, chill store. And then he gets back in his car looks behind him and see that right next to ABC appliance, there's a triple a appliance. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes in there, meets the owner. Owner looks like the shady guy. Deke automatically asks for the books, records, list of all the employees, sees a cancellation at the departed young girl's apartment and asks what's going on with that. Right. Doesn't really go anywhere. Doesn't really see anything. Walks out. And we see our first glimpse of Jared Leto as Albert Sparma look at Deke as he's walking away out of the store. Yeah, while he's there, he uh, snatches up a list of all the employee names uh, as well. So Baxter's going to the forensics department. Uh, He's trying to get a hit on some prints. The the guy there tells him, you know, these prints aren't good. Uh, Jim says, you know... well, what exactly do you guys do here? He says, well, <laughs> we make you look good in court. <laughs> uh, then we flash over to uh, Baxter meeting with uh, Rhonda Rathbun's parents. Uh, he went to see him at their house to see, uh, I guess, get some statements from him and get some, some direction of where he needed to start with his search. Uh, they say she was wearing a red beret when she was running. He finishes up there, and as he's leaving, my man gets a page. We see Deke then driving around Los Angeles. Don't really know where he's going, but he's cruising. And then we see these cop cars slowly. It's a really cool scene where it's in slow yeah. one. We see these cop cars just kind of fly past him while he's at this light. And then the next scene, we see Baxter and his CSI team investigating a, a body that was turned up from the water. And Deke arrives. Um, come to find out, it's not the girl, Rhonda, the girl with the red beret. Uh, it's some other girl who's just washed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baxter asks Deke, you know, is this how you spend your vacation? Uh, just, you know, creeping around <laughs> crime <laughs> scenes. Uh, so they talk a little bit, and uh, Baxter finally kind of gets frustrated enough. He asks Deke, he says, are you going to tell me about Mary Roberts? Because Stan Peters swallowed a 12-gauge last night. Ouch. So they move from the scene next to the water, and they go up on a bridge, and they're talking back and forth about some stuff. Um, And Deke hands him a list of the employee names so he can run them and see if uh, he finds any leads. And this scene is actually really cool. It's a lot of exposition between the two where you're starting to see that they are going to team up to figure out who the killer is. Um. Baxter asks uh, Deke, do you believe in God? And my favorite line from the movie is uh, Deke returning and saying, when I see a sunrise or a thunderstorm or a dew on the ground, yes, I think there's a God. 
when I see all of this, I think he's long past giving a shit, right? Yeah. Where you, where you see a, a hard-boiled detective cop who's been on the job for a very long time switch to a different county sheriff's office who's just seen a lot of crap in his time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where you don't really know if he believes in God or not. Um, this is a really cool line delivered from Denzel. Um, and this kind of brings you more into this world. So Baxter tells uh, Deke that uh, he still owes him some breakfast. And they leave the scene from there. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. Hey guys, while we're on this break, we wanted to take a moment and let you know we are on social media. We are working on our Movie in a Pod YouTube page and working on getting some great guests on the pod in the future episodes. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Movie in a Pod. Take a moment and check us out. Yeah, so Javi, this YouTube page, what are we expecting with that? First off, we're expecting a live commercial. Ooh, people do love live commercials. Hopefully in the future, putting up our podcast as a video so we can show off our beautiful faces. Man, I got to get a haircut then, brother. You know, I've been having this COVID hair for almost a year now. Starting to get my uh, curly cue going on over here. (laughs) Means I got to get to the barber. What should our listeners expect from our social media pages? We want to talk about movies. We want to know what movies are in theaters. Not right now. We want to talk about what movies are on Netflix, HBO Max, and the whole shebang of bang. I want to talk about all the movies from the past, all the great movies that are coming up. I want to know who your favorite director is. I want to know who your favorite writer is. That's how I want to engage with our listeners. Once again, check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Movie in a Pod. Mics are back on. And we're back, guys. All right. The next scene, Deke meets the Baxter's family. They have breakfast there. So we see uh, Mrs. Baxter, and she's making breakfast, asking questions to Deke about his life. We come to find out a lot of exposition here. Uh, Deke was married, now divorced, has two grown daughters, is only a deputy sheriff in Kern, she feels some. You can tell that she feels some type of way about that as well. That was it's, a weird. It's uh, an awkward combo altogether. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. like everything she asked him, she thinks she's going to get a good answer, and then it's sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, he's like, she's like, so you have a wife? Uh, nope, I'm divorced. <laughs> oh, so you're you're a de- detective over in Kern County? Nope, I'm a deputy sheriff. <laughs> And then she asked about his about his kids, and he's like, "Oh, well, they're all grown up, <laughs> right?" It's so she's trying to dive in, very awkward, <laughs> and she's trying to dive in, and he's just like really surface with it. But everything yeah. he's surface about is really uh, sad and the total opposite of what Baxter <laughs> has right now. <laughs> but the cool thing about this scene is that everything that Baxter has right now. Uh, Deke did have when he was a young man, when he was first starting out, right? He had the two gorgeous daughters, was married, was a top-notch homicide detective of the unit, and now doesn't have that anymore, right? Which is almost foreshadowing a possible future for Jim Baxter if he decides to follow this route. Right, right. Uh, Yeah, they talk a little bit... Like you said about you know what they're what they got going on in the family, and then uh, Baxter asked Deke about working with him on the case, and Deke says uh, you have to go ask your captain, and Baxter says, uh, well, it's my case, so <laughs> yeah, I guess a little little respect gain there. Definitely, uh, just a quick scene. Deke goes see his ex-wife. They have a quick conversation about her new life and that. Deke needs to probably call his daughters yeah. and his ex-wife is remarried and the guy is a, a landscaper. He does a gr- fantastic job in the, <laughs> in the grass and in the, in the lawn and everything. Yeah. And as, and as the scene ends, Deke kind of kicks up some uh, gravel or whatever's yeah. in, in the grass, right? <laughs> Just kind of drives away. <laughs> 
So you can see like a little bit of jealousy there, you know what I mean? So <laughs> So uh, next scene we're at the uh, bullpen again. Detective Estrada gives Baxter some files that he re- he asked for, you know, that were about uh, Mary Roberts. She drops multiple files on his desk and he says, "I only asked for Roberts." She said, "Well, you know, these girls were all drugged and stabbed." on the same night in the same location. And he says, you got to be kidding me. And she says, yeah, I'm hilarious. <laughs> at the bar, we see uh, Deke at the bar. Baxter walks in and they sit down and have a beer and start discussing more strategy on, on what kind of killer that they're looking for. Uh, this is actually a really cool scene between the two. You know, we, we've seen bar scenes with police officers, cops, detectives are, are talking strategy, talking about the killer. And I just fall for these scenes every time. They're some of my, <laughs> my favorite, right? There's nothing special about this scene. They're just some of my favorite in these hard-boiled detective uh, thriller movies. Yeah, so they talk, and they're trying to get some information out of each other, come to find out that all the victims were all knifed, all gagged, all bounded, um, so it looks like a very organized type type killing. Yeah. So they're trying to figure out who this person could and can be. Yeah, and there's also the fact that some are in town, some are in a, another part of the county, and they piece together, okay, well, this guy may not mind traveling, so he's probably got a high-mileage car. You know, if he can't find a girl here, he goes over there, find a girl. Basically comes down to that he's killing for pleasure. He's not raping these girls. He's not doing nothing. He's just killing for pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Deke says that he hopes Stan Peters is not the guy, you know, and then Baxter asks why Deke is trying to solve a five-year-old case. We jump to the next scene. Deke takes him to the crime scene from five years ago, that, that flashback that we keep getting little bits about mm-hmm. and explain, starts explaining what happened. Um, that him and his team found stabbed victims on a rock and a gully in a wooded area, all with bags on their head, and a third victim was found close by. Deke then goes to explain that no matter what you do, what you own, these victims, you own these victims for life while you're looking for these killers. So you can see the parallels between the two men where mm-hmm. Baxter in the beginning says, we work for these girls, we work for this person who is now dead until we find the killer. And Deke says that, you know, I own these girls now that I have to work their case, right? So you see a yeah. lot of similarities between the two with the families, with the upbringing, being the hotshot detectives, um, as another Men in Black reference, the old and busted and the hot newness is what I would say, right? <laughs> right, which is, which is, which is, I appreciate that. And which is funny, <laughs> but that's kind of like the parallel between the two right, right there. Yeah. Um, once again, Amy Malik's character, Jim Baxter, dope suit, slick dressed, um, hair pulled back. Uh, he is the, the hot shit going on yeah. here. So Deke basically says that he's trying to finish the job. He's trying to find the killer. That's, that's why he's still in LA. That's why he sees parallels between his, uh, those killings five years ago and what's going on today. We see these two, uh, in the car after all that. And uh, Jim gives them information on the employees from the list he gave them. Uh, They banter back and forth in the car a little bit. And when Baxter gets out the car, Deke asks him, Hey, Jim, what was the last thing the girl ate? And he says, roast beef, why? He says, because it's the little things that get you caught. We're watching this movie. We're about an hour in now, and we're trying to figure out why it's called the little thing, boom, a little exposition gives us exactly why it's called that. So it's all starting to make sense now. Uh, Deke goes to one of the guys uh, that's on the list apartment. He sees this car parked out front and he's looking through it. He looks at the mileage and just looking around at it. And then we see a glimpse of our man, Jared Leto, again as Albert Sparma. He's bringing out some trash, and he sees Deke looking through his car. Jared Little is creepy as hell in this movie, guys. He asks Deke what he's doing. Deke says, you know, I'm looking at this car because I want to buy it. Uh, there's a for sale sign on the ground, and he says, that sounds for another car. Uh, he interrogates him about the mileage. He says, you know, are you a salesman? Uh, he asks him about the trunk space in it. Uh, he's just basically trying to convince him that he's there to buy the car. 
uh, so he doesn't suspect anything else. But Sparma remembers Deke from the store. He points at him like, I remember you. Uh, then he goes over and throws out his bag of trash, and Deke gets it out the trash and takes it back to his hotel room. Yeah, so he takes the trash back to the hotel room, calls to get a license plate run on Albert Sparma from Saul, and uh, looks through all the trash, sees uh, the milk, sees half-eaten piece of pizza. Sees the bush latte cans. The bush, some bush (laughs) latte cans, right? And, uh, you know, starts trying to figure out what is going on here. He actually takes the pizza evidence to flow the victims yeah. have bite marks in them with this pizza bite. It's inconclusive as well. Um, so we don't know one of the details that she does say that he is from back East. Deke's like, how the hell do you know that? Yeah. And she says he folds his pizza slice. Yeah. I didn't know that was an East coast thing only. Um, I, I fold my pizza. <laughs> I mean, I fold so, my pizza as well, yeah. but <laughs> I didn't know nobody in California yeah. doesn't fold their pizza though. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's a detail. I guess that's a ni- yeah. early nineties cop de- detail right yeah. there. So we see Deke rents a car. Uh, then he's going to go follow Sparma around. Uh, he does a stakeout. He's just sitting around watching them. He, you see him tap on his watch. His watch isn't working. Apparently the battery's dying or something. And then he starts following him. Once uh, Sparma leaves his apartment, he heads over to a gentleman's club. Trip club. Oh yeah, I was trying to keep it classy, but that's all right. <laughs> it's where it's where uh, freaky ass Albert Sparma uh, spends a lot of his time. He oh, goes yeah. into the strip club during the day, mm-hmm. probably before dinner, and and right. comes out super late at night. Is what it looks like. Yeah, like sun high in the sky still when he walks in. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So once it gets dark and he comes out, uh, Deke's looking in his rear or side view mirror, and we see another flashback, and we're back to that scene again from earlier in his life, and it's like a a scarf or something that he that they find on the ground as part of their evidence. Yeah, uh, he continues to follow Sparma. Then we get a quick scene over at uh, Baxter's house. Uh, his wife wakes up. She rolls over, and Jim's not in bed. She finds him outside, uh, kind of stressing. He's holding his head, and you know, he's stressing about the case and everything going on. We see the next day, uh, Deke is tailing Sparma, and um, this is actually my favorite scene of the movie, right? He starts tailing him the next day. They both get on the interstate, and Sparma catches on that Deke is tailing him. Yeah. Uh, Sparma uses the same tactics as the driver... In the beginning of the movie with that young girl, stops, let them pass, come back through. Very, very cool scene. Don't want to dive too much into it, guys, but it is fun. And basically, cars end up right next to each other. <laughs> and <laughs> and Sparma looks up, points at him, and goes, hey, how's the trunk space? <laughs> <laughs> Sparma yeah. takes off, and you can see that Deke is just pissed off that he was caught. With his tail. Then we're at the bullpen again. Uh, they apparently find uh, Sparma's other car that he has. And Baxter tells Sal, you know, have it towed in. And they send it to the forensic investigation uh, department. So right here, uh, the movie starts moving fast. Uh, the We have the witness coming forward from the beginning of the movie. She's at the, the police station. Uh, they arrest Sparma. Uh, they bring him into the police station. Uh, they find out the car that they had towed in actually clean. They didn't find anything in there. And Deke talks to Baxter about wanting to watch the uh, interrogation of Sparma. Uh, one other thing to, to mention real quick is the girl actually sees Sparma in the police station with handcuffs on, and he didn't really make a big scene out of it. He just kind of looked at her, looked away like he didn't know who she was. Yeah, this was interesting, right? Um, Her name is Tina Salvatore. Her name's only mentioned once, mm-hmm. and Baxter has clear instructions to basically keep her away from anything and anyone because he wants a clean shot of her looking into who the killer might be. And she has to go to the bathroom, and one of the other detectives says, go, come right back. But while she's away, 
she sees Sparma walking up to the interrogation room in handcuffs. Yeah. And that right there, as Jared Little looks scary as hell, is a very scary sight. Mm-hmm. So Sparma is in this interrogation room, and Sparma knows his rights right away. We can tell that he is very hip to how this game is played. Uh, Baxter starts showing him pics of the dead girls, and he finds it as a joke. He finds it as really funny that he's into this, right? We find out that Sparma is kind of aroused by these dead girls, right? It's a little weird scene. Sparma says that he is the guy. They had no evidence he would be under arrest, so why is he even there, right? So he knows all his rights, what's going on here. Deke asks if he can come in, and Deke starts asking him questions, and Deke immediately starts playing bad cop and loses his his temper, right? This is where the movie really starts picking up, and it starts moving really, really fast here. Mm Mm-hmm. The next scene, we see Tina Salvatore uh, looking at different pictures. Uh, she stops at Sparma's picture, gets scared, uh, and reveals that she saw him earlier. Baxter immediately pissed off. Yeah, we can't we can't use her as as evidence. We can't use her testimony now because she already saw him in handcuffs, and the guy looks scary. So, it basically says her her ID of him is tainted because she, now she has an image of this. This guy that's in handcuffs, not the person she's supposed to be remembering. Baxter finds out that uh, Sparma confessed to a murder eight years ago. Uh, The cap tells him that they're calling the feds in. Uh, He has two days until they're there to take over. Uh, Basically, he, Sparma walked in, confessed to a murder, and they had nothing, no evidence or nothing, so he walked. And then we see Baxter visits Deke's hotel. Uh, The door is unlocked. It's dark. And Baxter sees all these photos from these uh, deceased girls on the wall. And we see Deke is in the corner and cuts the light on, kind of almost scares Baxter. Baxter's like, what the hell is going on here? Deke says, it's the past meets the future, right? Yeah. All of Deke's past cases with these dead girls meets what's going on right now and trying to tie them together. Baxter immediately tells Deke that he needs help. Uh, Deke says, I know all the symptoms. Um, yeah. Deke says that we need Sparma's, uh, he needs to be in Sparma's apartment for five minutes, right? Within that same conversation, uh, they're talking how Sparma's the guy, and Baxter's saying Sparma's not the guy. He confessed to a crime eight years ago, but lied about it. Mm-hmm. And Deke says, if you just give me in his apartment for five whole minutes, he can prove that Sparma is the guy. Really cool scene between the two where they're kind of... This is a very cliche in movies where you see they're both... Both protagonists is clear indications of why they're doing their thing that they're doing, right? Yeah. Um, Baxter says he wants to nail the bastard for all the girls he's killed and for the Red Beret girl, Rhonda. And Deke goes, well, I want to nail the bastard too, but I want to nail him for myself. Yeah. <laughs> so they put together a plan and Baxter calls Sparma. He asks him if he can meet him at hikes which is a little restaurant on the corner so you can make up for what happened in, inter- in the interrogation room between him deke and sparma sparma leaves and is heading that way deke sneaks into his apartment and he's searching through all this stuff uh, trying to find some evidence or anything he's looking for and sparma has a police scanner that's really loud and it scares him while he's in there uh, so while sparma is sitting at pikes baxter never showed up so he makes a call and gets a Shirley Temple to go. To go. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we cut back to an apartment where Deeks finds a secret door under a rug. And there's a canister in there that's full of newspaper clips from the murders. Uh, that scanner goes off again and Deke hears that there's an officer down call at that address. And he starts trying to kind of clean up what he was messing with and uh, has to get out of that apartment before the cops come in. Right. And there was a few other items that Deke did run across and did find in that apartment. We had He found bush light in, in the refrigerator um, a knife with the point cut off, obviously the police radio dispatcher, um, a bunch of books about crime and death, Helter Skelter, and a bunch of other uh, books, a red room to develop pictures, fake teeth. Remember, the killer bites his his victims and then finds that, that hole in the floorboard with the box that Javi explained with all these news clippings and everything. Deke has another flashback. Um, at this crime scene and hears a noise while looking around. So we're back really quickly, right? Mm-hmm. These flashbacks are super quick. 
where he's back at this crime scene from five years ago, hears a, a noise, doesn't really know what it is, and kind of gets behind like a brush and gets down. Looks like he's about to draw his gun from his side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it looks like we come back to the scene, and it looks like uh, Sparma called the police to his apartment about officers being down and Baxter tries to, you know, get to the scene and help out. But the police who arrived first block his way. Yeah. So Deke gets out and he, uh, makes his way over to climb on the roof, climbs up on the roof of this building. And he's just trying to shim his way up and Baxter making a call to the, uh, to his unit, to that office. And he hangs up the phone and he looks around. He sees Deke climbing on the roof. Then he looks over and Sparma's standing there with his Shirley Temple uh, watching the whole thing go down. Just just creepy as shit, man. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just, so just creepy. creepy as shit. So creepy, man. <laughs> oh. uh, so we see uh, Baxter uh, got the car and he picks up Deke out back and they uh, get the hell out of there. They drive. Baxter asks if Deke saw a red beret in the apartment and Deke says, give me five more minutes and I would have found out for you. Yeah. Baxter gets news that Sparmer left town six months after Deke's murders five years ago to Detroit. And then they tail Sparma, who does something different decides to take the bus which is a slow burn because <laughs> it's been really it's, re- it's been really fast yeah up until this point and we get this slow burn of a tail of sparma I mean, he's on a damn bus and how long yeah. times does a bus stop in a city like a million they're, times and then so. they're in traffic too going real slow <laughs> gosh yeah, it slowed down a lot for those guys and his destination the gentleman's club once again he loves the strippies <laughs> And he's there like all day this time. <laughs> so he comes out and he catches the bus back home. They see him get home. He goes into his apartment and they're uh, still on this stakeout. Uh, they're sitting in the car and Baxter just starts freaking out. Lose is his shit right here. Yeah. And Deke uh, tells Jim, you know, all we can do is work the case. It's like fishing. You know, you got to yeah. be patient. Uh, Deke tells uh, Baxter, he says, you can go home. Uh, I'll put uh, Sparma to bed is, is the way he says it. <laughs> and and uh, Baxter says, F you. Deke says, that's what I expected. <laughs> yeah, I love the banter between these two. Uh, Baxter's extremely tired. You can definitely see that on his face. Mm-hmm. He starts kind of fading. Deke is still needing a battery. He hasn't replaced it for his watch. And sees a convenience store a couple of miles in front of a couple of mile, a couple of blocks, excuse yeah. me, in front of Barma's apartment and walks there, gets for some coffee and some batteries. Mm-hmm. Baxter's still in the car and the payphone right next to the car, right across the street from Sparma's apartment, rings and Baxter goes to answer it and is startled by Sparma who's right behind him. <laughs> <laughs> right? yeah, he, is, yeah, he looks back and it's like a zombie's coming after him. Creepy, just freaky man. Creepy. Yeah, and then that walk he's got too is the whole thing, man. Yeah, he's kind of got like a limp mm-hmm. or whatever. But also, Jerry Little's rocking this like beer belly gut. <laughs> yeah, it's, he's got that keg going on. There. Yeah, on them, yeah, it's it's a lot going on yeah. there. All those bush lattes, All those right? Bush lattes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that'll do it to you. So Baxter has him up against the fence and has him interlock his fingers, and we see Sparma just has all these tidbits and weird comments yeah. uh, in between there. Baxter pulls out a picture of Rhonda, the Red Bray girl, and asks Sparma, "Where is she?" Sparma immediately says that he doesn't want, he doesn't want to know, and that he will take Baxter to see her. During this, uh, Deke's still in the store. He's standing there waiting on a guy counting out change. <laughs> So Pennies, he's, man. Yeah, out of time. he's just, you know, he's held up, so he hasn't got back to to this situation. Uh, so Sparma makes his way to his car. Uh, he's pulling out of his uh, driveway, and he tells Baxter, you know, you know, I'm gonna show you, you know, where she's at. And he said, "What are you afraid of, little boy? You got a weapon. I don't have a weapon." He decides to get in the car with him to see where he's gonna take him. Sparma says that his butt buddy uh, <laughs> cannot join. <laughs> Talking about Deke. <laughs> so they drive off and Deke sees them and runs to the other car and falls behind. And this scene is a lot of 
driving, right? So, so right here, I'm just gonna say this. It's a little outside of the movie timeline. Did you notice the CGI in this scene, by chance? I did not. Talk to if, me. If you go back and watch this, this CGI is like they filmed this literally in the nineties. <laughs> like, <laughs> like when he's sitting in the car and it's got the like the image behind him, like he's driving, you know, and it's looking at him okay. from the front. Yeah, just look at that CGI, man. It, HBO could have done a lot better than that, man. Was, are you are, okay? Okay, I think I know what you're talking about. So you're talking about they're in front of a green screen, yeah, uh, filming this. Yeah, and okay. Yep, in the car. I did. I did notice that. That was that was a little cheap. Yeah, yeah. It was um, not good, yeah. They definitely could have spent a little bit more money and actually had uh, this this scene done. Uh, yeah, I definitely no- noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Deke trails them for a long time. They're on a long road trip here. And then Baxter asks Sparma where we're going, and Sparma, in a kind of a weird, playful way, says to go see Rhonda. Yeah. Um, as Deke follows, he sees flashbacks, he sees flashes of all these deceased girls from his case five years ago, right? These girls are, are haunting him still, um, even though he thinks that he's closing in on the killer. Baxter and Sparma come up to this empty area that is locked by a fence. Sparma happens to have a key, yeah. uh, so Baxter uh, jumps out, unlocks the fence, and Sparma drives through, and Baxter Puts the lock back, but does not lock it. Yeah. Sparma stops at this dirt, gravel, open space lot and starts playing all these games with Baxter, right? Baxter's yeah. like, where the hell is, is she at there? They start playing hot and cold. Yeah. <laughs> I've always hated this game as a kid. Yeah. And I know it was really frustrating for Baxter, who's trying to solve this case. And you move over here, hot, 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 cold, 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 warmer, 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 you know, whatever it is there. And come find a spot where Rhonda is buried. Mm-hmm. Sparma gives a shovel, and Baxter has to start digging. Yeah, Sparma tells him, uh, "Look down and say hello to Rhonda." Weird. Yeah. So Baxter starts digging, and uh, during this time, Deke's still searching for where they where they're at. Um, it's nighttime. This place is kind of a big circle. So he drives past the tractor a couple of times. He's, we go back to Sparma and Jim, and Sparma tells Jim, uh, looks like the wrong spot. He has Baxter digging a bunch of holes at this point, and Deke's still trying to find out where they're at. Yeah, we have Sparma who has Baxter digging a third hole at this point in time, and a lot of exposition comes from Sparma who says uh, the truth is that He's never killed anybody in his entire life. Flashback to Deke. This is back and forth between Sparma, Baxter, then Deke um, converging onto this one spot here. So we go back to Deke, who finds the fence and goes right through it and follows the path. Go back to Sparma, and he's talking about Baxter's family and that he should have stayed out of the public eye. Starts patronizing him, asking him what kind of father he is and that he can't even help these deceased girls. Calls him insignificant. And doesn't matter. You can see on uh, Jim's face that he's starting to get really pissed off, really annoyed. Mind you, he's tired. Two, he's trying to work this case. Three, he's being belittled by Swarma. And he's digging this hole, (laughs) right? Baxter strikes Swarma with the shovel, killing him. He little nickies him, is what I like to say. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what he does, man. Uh yeah, he, he he hits him, and I don't think his intention was to kill him. He just had this burst of you know burst of frustration. Hit him with the shovel. He looks at him, he realizes yeah. he's dead, and he starts to panic. Kind of goes into shock from what he just did. So we just see Baxter on the ground, kind of like yeah. somber, and we finally see Deke arrives and sees what happened. We have another flashback uh, where we see Deke is chasing the noise, and as he's about to find out what the noise is. His partner, Sal, asks what's going on, and he raises his gun and shoots the girl who was not on the rock with the rest of the girls. So Deke's Deke's there now, and he starts to clean up the scene. Baxter says, you know, we need to call someone, and Deke tells him, start digging a hole. Dig a hole to put him in. Deke takes Sparma's car, and uh, 
he's heading back into town. We see him get to Sparma's apartment and he starts packing up all his stuff in trash bags. Uh, he's cleaning this apartment up. Uh, then we see him drop off Sparma's car to some shady people in this alleyway. Uh, he tosses him the keys for it. Uh, then we see Jim's got all this stuff from the apartment packed up into his truck. And he's on his way back to Baxter. Right, so we get back to this dirt gravel space. Uh, Baxter hasn't put Sparma's body in a hole, but it looks like he's digged all night looking for Rhonda, not finding her at all. Deke ends up burying Sparma and fills in all the other holes that Baxter created. Deke tells Baxter to go back and say that Sparma was a wash and that Deke left town. Yeah, he says, tell the captain you need to take some time, you know, a couple of weeks. Basically trying to get him to cut this off. He needs to let it go. Don't look at files. Don't look at nothing. If you start doing that, then he's going to come back to life. This is a cool scene. Uh, Deacon Baxter actually embrace in part ways, knowing that they'll probably never see each other ever again. So Deke heads back to Kern County to his home. Uh, We see a quick scene back at the uh, police station where the FBI are there now, and they're getting ready to start their investigation. At square one. (laughs) Square one. Yep. Uh, we see Baxter sitting in his backyard. He's watching his daughters play in the pool. And Sal comes by and drops a package off uh, from Deke. Uh, inside this envelope, it's a few things for him uh, to help him get some closure on the cases. Yeah, so th- this scene is kind of cool to wrap things up. Uh, Baxter's taking some time. He's watching his daughters swim in the pool. And his daughters are in there, but all he sees is uh, Red Breaker, Rhonda's face, right? He promised their family he's working for her to find this girl. Digged all night, couldn't find her, right? So all he sees is is her. His wife comes outside. What's up? I would say he's uh, replaying that video clip that her parents showed him of her swimming in the pool. Baxter then opens up this package um, with a note that says no angels knows it's automatically from Deke. And then there's something else that he feels in the, in the envelope package and it's a red beret. And you can kind of see that he's still somber on Baxter's face, but has some closure. You can kind of, you can kind of see that as well. There's some closure on his face. Yeah. There's probably a little bit, but the whole time he was still unsure that Sparma was, was the guy even after they buried him. With Deke going back to to the apartment and finding this, you're like, oh, okay, there, there it was. This this was yeah. the guy. But ultimately, the next scene is Deke back at home and burning all of Sparma's stuff um, in this barrel. And Deke has a flashback in this scene as well, where Flo pulls the bullet, um, her keychain token, and calls it a stab wound. So instead of calling it a shooting from a police officer into with this girl, they change it. That was his multiple stab wounds. Yeah. So it's Deke Flo, And the captain was in there as well. That are part of this cover up. And this is like where Deke is still haunted in the same scene. uh, The dead girl that he just shot on the gurney turns and looks at Deke. You know, he's being haunted by her still. Going back to Deke's home, uh, Deke burns a box with all of those little knickknacks and articles that was in Sparma's apartment, burns his gloves, and goes to his car and gets a pack of berets. And you see the pack, but you see the candy apple red one is missing and throws those away. Deke walks into his home and the credits start rolling. And ladies and gentlemen, that is The Little Things. Yeah, so this one, Clyde, kind of leaves you hanging because you don't get closure on it. Like, it's still like, okay, did he do it? But I guess at the end of the day, I guess he really is trying to make sure that Baxter doesn't end up like him on this long road to getting nowhere with his case. Yeah, you know, you always wonder... In most movies, heroes and villains, right? This movie, you really don't know 
who is who. So there's always protagonists, mm-hmm. antagonists, heroes, and villains. You really don't know what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, you have you have Sparma who says he's a crime buff that doesn't seem to worry through the whole movie. He's just making jokes yeah. and leading them on these journeys, and you don't know if he's the guy or not. And then we find yeah. out that yeah. Deke has a cover-up murder. And now and now Baxter does as well. Oh, yeah, that's um, true. Yeah, you're right. You know, we have we have a lot of parallels within this movie between those two main characters mm-hmm. there. So, so Javi, go ahead and take us through, man. What was your favorite scene in this movie? I think one of my favorite scenes was when they are outside of his apartment and Deke is at the store looking for the watch batteries and they're getting the coffee. And that phone rings and Baxter gets out and goes and answers it and he turns around and there's Jared Leto being creepy as hell, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and that, yeah. and then they kind of you know have a, a very physical interaction. You know, he throws him up against the fence. He's kind of holding him hostage there, like he's under arrest, but he's really not. A lot of bad cop stuff going on. Definitely, yeah. Mine was the one we didn't really dive into much, but it was that that first tale between uh, Sparma and yeah. Deke, where Sparma actually catches him and Deke gets pissed yeah. off about it. That's a really dope. <laughs> dope cinematically and how that was shot that was a really really cool scene yeah. there yeah man how many uh buckets of popcorn do you get this movie i gave it three buckets of popcorn it was a fun movie i'll probably watch it again it's uh it's another another cop movie another detective movie where you know somebody has a bad past and you know it wasn't special in that aspect to me but i'd really enjoyed denzel and uh rami on screen and jared leto they did a great job you know, I was really excited about this movie. You know, in some of our our meetings uh, earlier, trying to outline different movies that we want to watch, I was like, Javi, we got to review this movie, right? We got to talk about this movie. This is on the list. Yeah. Um, so I was super excited, man. But I was expecting a lot more than what we got. You know, we have three Academy Award winners in this movie starring this got two buckets of popcorn for me man you know i was expecting a lot more payoff in this movie i I was expecting us to figure out who the killer was right i was expecting like a stronger performances out of these characters as well don't get me wrong denzel brings it every time amy malik he's starting to bring it every time that i Mm -hmm. see him on screen there jared leto is just continually just typecast as this weird guy now um, yeah, yeah, he is. It's 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 becoming like all right. Let's let's expand a, a little bit, but um, <laughs> you know he even does his thing there. But there's just absolutely no payoff um, in was Farmer the killer or not, right? Yeah, yeah. Evidence kind of shows that he could be, but really never got any idea or clear evidence as to in fact the killer was him or you know who they were actually looking for. So yeah, yeah, deep. Never really found anything. I mean, the the only reason the outcome was what it was is because Baxter hit him in the face with a shovel. Dude, just killed him. Molly whopped his <laughs> ass, bro. God. You know, I mean, <laughs> <sighs> that was wild. That was wild, man. So, all right, guys. So that is our discussion of the little things. Please hit us up on our socials. Talk to us. We have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, Movie in a pod, and let us know. Once again, my name is Clyde Smith, and you can find me on Twitter as I am Clyde D. Smith. I'm Javier Villalobos. You can find me at MrJ8200. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.